Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello Leeds, welcome, welcome to the City Varieties, please welcome a man who is predicting a riot, it's Richard Herring. Thank you very much. Hello Leeds. Oh, oh, it's so lovely to be back, it only feels like yesterday doesn't it, and I think about, I think about last time every Single day, I have to say. Um, <laughs> welcome. We might talk about it in a sec, don't worry. Uh, welcome uh, to Richard Herring's Lead Still Traumatised podcast. Uh, though I was... Uh, I got a phone call, well, my mum did, from Ricky Wilson from the Kaiser Chiefs. He was shouting stuff at her. <laughs> Wanted to know what she'd said. It was, it was weird. Uh, he calls it Rehalisper anyway, apparently. So that's, that's going to be... Gonna be fun. Hey, was anybody? Uh, did anyone? Did any, was anyone here last time? We were in the. Yeah. Uh, for those of you, uh, we we had it. We, we didn't put that one out. The uh, the, the guest um, the guest said, "Please be kind to me in the edit." And we said, "Yeah, there's not going to be a podcast." So it's like that's that's 
that's not possible. Uh, so, uh, you know, as long as we've got no musicians on tonight, <laughs> we should be fine. <laughs> uh, it was amazing. It was, it was, and the boys from Emmerdale were fantastic, though. So that was, yes. So well done. But uh, Ricky Wilson is still the finest Leeds man there is. And that is... It's a very low bar, unfortunately, fellas. At least he's not racist. So uh, it's... Um... <laughs> it's all right, I'm from Yorkshire. I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to make those jokes. Anyway, look, it's great to be in Leeds, a place that Charles Dickens described as an odious place. But, no, look, there's been a lot of changes since his day. Uh, now... Child labour laws are not as stringent as they were then, so it's, it's a good place. Oh, it's good fun, isn't it? It's just a, it's just a bit of fun, Leeds. Uh, I've got one story to tell you about from my home life this week. Um, uh, but if you hang around till next week, I'll tell you about my journey here. Uh, which was... Which was my, a funny thing happened to me on the way to the theatre it's incre- I genuinely thought I wasn't going to make it to, for the show uh, and the guests were going to have to interview, interview each other which would blow the whole thing about it being two separate weeks <laughs> Thank God. Um, I've got a son I don't know if you've uh, I mentioned this he's called Ernie uh, I was at breakfast time yesterday he, um, he started laughing to himself and I said why are you laughing and he said I just thought of something funny and I said what was it uh, and he said, butts. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, but it's, I just love the idea of just <laughs> just merrily laughing to himself, thinking about butts. Uh, uh, look, we're going to crack straight on. Uh, we have an amazing guest uh, for you this week. She's probably best known for playing coffee in the film Funny Cow. That's, that's why we're... That's all I'm going to talk to her about, so... Uh, I hope she's got a lot of stories from the set. Uh, will you, I, I mean, to be honest, this guest is way too good for this podcast. I, haven't, I, I can't believe we've got her. Uh, I've been very polite to her backstage in the hope she won't run away. Uh, and uh, I, I can't believe we've got it. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, she's like uh, an angel from the, the beyond the human plane. Uh, but no, she's from Leeds, so it's fine. Uh, it's, it's the amazing Corin Bailey Ray, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Hello. Thank you. Thank oh, you. I love to see you. Lovely to see you too. And what you look! What a fantastic outfit, of course. Thank you. Love suits. I have to say, uh, whenever we have musicians on, they turn up quite hungry. Sometimes, they're, <laughs> sometimes they're, they're, they're drunk already, but sometimes they're not, and uh, expecting a big rider backstage and. There never is any, there's, there's nothing there. I was hoping there'd be food today. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I just got back from America, so I thought, well, I haven't had my lunch, which I'd normally have about this time. So I'm going to raid all the fruit, but there was no fruit. But I did have half a bag of Maltesers, so. Yeah. I'm ready to go. We got some Maltesers and crisps. Yeah. We know how to treat a girl. That's, uh, <laughs> how to, what, tell us about your acting career. You were a coffee in Funny I was, Girl. Yeah, I was in Funny Girl because it's a Tony Pitts. Uh, Production, do you know Tony Pitts? Tony Pitts. Tony Pitts. Tony Pitts. And um, you know, I had never acted before. I mean, in this, I was playing opposite Richard Hawley, and all I had to do was sing okay. a Richard Hawley song and wear an Afro wig. And um, <laughs> yeah, it, it was a really great experience to do. But but um, he's he's a brilliant actor and writer and very serious. And I said to him, 
I don't really know how to act or do anything, but he said, well, you've got a lot going on. <laughs> and he sort of did this gesture, yeah. and that I took to mean, yes, you can act yeah. in this film. And so, you yeah, I, and I had a very small role, but I was very happy. I mean, Maxine Peake was in the film, so she, yeah. she did most of the acting. She's good at acting. <laughs> but she didn't sing a Richard Hawley song. That no, was, she that couldn't, was and she wouldn't have been able to. <laughs> she probably could, there. actually. She, yeah, yeah right. she's good at all the things. Uh, you've done a little bit of that. Well, you, you've been, you've, you were in Studio 60, I mean, playing yourself. I don't know if that counts. Yeah. Does that count? As, I mean, you were sort of... You've both been in Saturday Night Live and Studio 60, which I thought was a terrific show. I really loved that show. I think yeah. it only went on for one series, yeah. didn't it? Uh, but it was good. It's Aaron Sorkin, wasn't it, wrote it? Yeah, so it's the yeah. guy who wrote The West Wing wrote it. If you haven't, check it out. I can't believe they didn't do more of it. So it's like you're performing and then there's some pretend cameras filming you. Right. But then the real cameras are filming the pretend cameras because it's yeah. a sort of behind the scenes of behind the scenes. Yeah. yeah it was really and how confusing. did it compare to actually being on Saturday Night Live, which it was... was it was it? so good to be on Saturday Night yeah. Live. I mean, at that very early part in my career, just every day something was happening that I couldn't believe. I was yeah. like, I'm going on a private jet and I'm going to Oprah and then I'm meeting this and then I'm meeting Stevie Wonder and then I'm... It was just every day was some, was something, you know, yeah. it was something amazing. So, um, yeah, I mean, Saturday Night Live was kind of a blur, but I remember the actress, actress from that show, My Name is Earl, oh, yeah. was on it and I was just happy. I was just smiling that it was her and <laughs> just thought she was great and funny. Well, it, you know, it's, 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 an, it's incredible to have come from Leeds and managed to escape... <laughs> Um, but also not escape because you were born in Leeds. I was born in Leeds. You live in Leeds. That's Even right. though you could live anywhere now. You're fa- you've got loads of money. <laughs> and, and you went to... The thing I can't believe is you went to university in Leeds. I've had a big, expansive yeah. life. <laughs> I mean, yeah. most people kind of get to university time and go, I'm off. Yeah. Well, I was in a band at the time right. and everyone I was in the band with was younger than me, so they were all still doing their A-levels. And so I thought, right, let me stay in Leeds because we'll still be able to, you know, do our... Our shows at Joseph's Well and okay. the Duchess of York. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I was really, um, you know, serious about music when I was that age. Sure. I remember my, uh, the guitarist going on holiday with a boyfriend for a month. And I was like, you're going on holiday in festival season? You know, I was very sort of serious and nerdy and I really wanted to get somewhere with that band. So yeah. I was always kind of working away with that. The, uh, the band uh, was called Helen. That's right. I mean, it's... Maybe. We did have a... One fan. One fan. Yeah, I mean, it was... It's we had about 90 fans. It's a funny really name good. for a band, Helen. It's like yeah. calling your dog Timothy Harris. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to insult anyone with the name... Is anyone called Helen here? Okay, yeah. so it's two... So, it's I only mean, a couple insults. Yeah, insult. But I always... Were you, I used to go to events where you'd have to say your own name and I always hated saying my own name right. and I used to say, oh... At that time, because I'm, you know, 44 years old, so I don't know how old these... Hel- how old are the Helens? 50? There you go. So, peak Helen. That, <laughs> when I, so, every, I knew a lot of Helens, so yeah. I would be like, oh, I know a lot of Helens. Like, Helens are well... I wouldn't say a common name. I'd say like, it's a well-known name, and then our band just, you know, yeah. well, we'll just call it something kind of normal. Well known uh, <laughs> and commonly occurring, but special all the same. I mean, it's good yeah. you didn't go for Karen because that would have changed its meaning yeah, over exactly. time. Exactly, you just don't know what's going to happen. You with don't these know names. what's going to happen. So, tell me about Leeds and why you love Leeds so much. What is it about Leeds that's 
that's keeping you in anchored, <laughs> anch- even though well, you I mean, fly off to the world. Yeah, the world. it's true. I mean, I've lived in Leeds all my life. I like the city. I like the people. You know, I like being able to live here. I get to go and do all these sort of fancy things all around the world, and then I come to Leeds and just nobody cares. <laughs> like, oh yeah, that's Corinne. Yeah, I know her cousin, and yeah, she used to work at the underground, and like just no one cares about me, and so I can go to the supermarket with no makeup on and my hair scraped back and my kids are screaming and it's just it's a very it's a good balance to me between you know dinner with stevie wonder and then yeah waitrose you so know, it, keeps, like, you, it yeah. keeps you grounded yeah and my family's here uh, waitrose you know. uh, <laughs> as i said that it was quiet i should have said tesco <laughs> i should have said tesco can we put tesco we'll in put the tesco edit? in yeah. Yeah. But it'll be me saying it, we just go Tesco. <laughs> Stevie wondering then. Tesco. Yeah. But um, it is a way. That is, waitress is my shop of choice because I like the lighting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just in case you're called on to perform during the, during the, <laughs> during the shop, I'm ready to go. Probably because I'm wearing no makeup there, right? Yeah. 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 So, but I don't mind. I don't mind a bit of shopping. And I like it here. My friends are here. My family are here. You know, I've known yes. people for a long time. Like, you know, when you get confused about yourself, you say, was I always like this? Or I'm stuck in this thing. And they say, yeah, you've always been that way. I used to go to guides with you when you were 12. Yes. And you're the same and it's fine. So there's a use in that. Yeah, that's quite unusual, though, I would say. <laughs> no, but for pop stars, you know, I think yeah, you know, it's yeah. admirable and correct, is what I would say. Yeah. But it's, it's quite unusual. A lot of people, like, leave their leave their yeah. home and behind I mean, and go and become friends with that. I've noticed a lot of celebrities and comedians as well just become friends with Elton John. And you kind of go, yeah. why are you friends with Elton John? He's an old man. Why are you be friends with be friends with people you're at school with? This is crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, you may be friends with Elton John as well. I mean, I don't know if I'm friends with Elton John. I have, I have got to meet Elton John a few yeah. times and um, he's always been really nice. And he sent me some champagne when Put Your Records On Went to number two okay. in the popular charts. Imagine what you got if you got to number one. I know, I know. Well, I should ask Madonna. It was Madonna that, that uh, year. It was um, yeah. that ABBA-Madonna smash-up thing. Yeah. That's yeah. hard to beat, isn't it? That's, yeah. a, that's, I mean, that's unfortunate. That's like uh, uh, Vienna being beaten by Shut Up at Your Face. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. There's no, there's no way out. It's not, it's not fair. Um, Elton John was horrible to me. I did a gig for Elton John and he started talking halfway through and everyone turned against me. So, Is that really yeah, true? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I did, I did yeah. a, a gig at Theo Fennell, their Christmas gig. You know, they're big jewellers. Oh, okay. In, okay. Ke- in Kensington. Are they sponsoring this? They're not, unfortunately. <laughs> I got paid £1,000 and I was very happy for, yeah. for that. But I was performing to Elton John and Posh Spice, the path of the clash. Hugh Grant was there. What? Uh, and Hugh Grant la- laughed. <laughs> yeah. Good. It wasn't. It wasn't a great gig for me. No. But there was a pair of earrings there that cost more than my <laughs> flat. So well, you know, I don't think. I don't think it was quite. But enough about me. As fascinating as I am. Look, I'm, I. Um, but you, 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 I've seen two different sources say maybe you played both the violin and the piano at school. Not the piano, but definitely the, the violin. violin right. Yeah. So there's a. There's a. One of the articles got that wrong. Yeah. yeah. So you played classical violin. Yeah, and I loved it. I had a teeny violin at first. You know, a quarter size, and then. Yeah. Was that the just so you grew. could do it if people were feeling sorry for themselves? <laughs> yeah. Get it out. Say so this is awful. <laughs> but, but no, I had a tiny violin because I started really young. Yeah. I started okay. playing it really young. 
Um, but I liked it, you know, and I had one of these terrifying teachers. She was called Miss Burgoyne, and she was about a thousand years old. Yeah. And she would be really strict with me. And I remember one time just crying outside the head teacher's office, just saying, Miss Burgoyne is so mean. And she said, Oh, don't you know she's hard on you because she thinks you're good? Right. And that was the first time I'd had that kind of perspective that if people think you can do something, they will be more exacting, but then yeah. they'll think it'll get a better result. So you, you had, the, the people spotted this musical talent within you very young, then by the sounds of it. I feel like I got to do lots of music things when I was a kid, and I really yeah. liked that. You know, I got to play Glockenspiel and the <laughs> Christmas play, and then I got to play at the Leeds Town Hall loads with, um, with different orchestras and lead the orchestras. And yeah. that was, I mean, I guess... Yeah, Le- I felt Leeds in the 80s was a really um, sort of nurturing place for musicians, even though it was under Tory rule. But I guess, I don't know, there just must have been more money. So it didn't cost my money, uh, my mum money to put us through violin lessons. Yeah. And you know what that is? Because class- you're playing classical music, so the, right. Tory- the Tories were happy to fund that. <laughs> Go do that. Get the violin girl out. Go on, give her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> give her Close a all tiny the youth clubs and keep all the operas open. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so what is is that something you've did you let that go when you sort of got into music is that into singing I mean and rock, um, I got rock. into I guess I was playing the violin I the last concert I ever did was a disaster right because I played I was at Allerton High School which is just um, in Moortown and I got up on stage and I played my part but I went a bit wrong so I said to the audience would anyone mind if I start again and everyone laughed it was really funny but then the teacher said no, you can't start oh, again. You wow. have to start from where you are. And then it just felt like this horrible violin sort of lesson, but in front of 500 yeah. parents. Wow. That's the last time I played violin on wow. stage. I also cried all the way through the next couple of numbers where I was like in a choir. Yeah. Or it's just like... <laughs> same happened to me at the Elton John gig. It's, uh, it's, it's the same thing. That's amazing. That's incredible. That's, that's the worst moment in teaching. Well, that's, as a teacher, that's... I know, the for a few minutes, just you get to hear. the beginning of the Vivaldi and start again. <laughs> but anyway, it sort of taught me this thing, which was, then at the same time I discovered Kurt Cobain and Billie Holiday, yeah. and to me, they had equal influence on me. You know, Kurt Cobain sitting on VH1 with bar chords, and he could watch it, you know, my friend taped it off the TV, and you could just watch his hand going up and down and, and um, see these bar chords, and I thought... I want to make my own music. When you make your own music, nobody knows if you've gone wrong or not. <laughs> yeah. You know, no, it happens to me on stage all the time. It's like it goes a bit wrong all the time, yeah. but you can just sort of find a way to... And I've heard big jazz musicians say that. They call it sort of save the day moments, but it's when it's not doing... It's not how you planned it to go, but there's a way to get out of it, and I think that's a skill and... And I just survive on that, really. So, yeah. yeah, I would get buzzed up. Classical music, you know, it's all on the page and you can only hope to just do it exactly as it is and that's really terrifying to me. So I like to do my own thing. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, and so I suppose, in a way, that terrible teacher who did their job incredibly badly helped you in the, yes, in the end. Absolutely. So, so in a way, maybe they did it on purpose. Yeah, well, in I order t- to I teach a you a life thing. lesson. <laughs> Doesn't sound like it. Sounds, like, sounds like they were a prick. Let's find them. <laughs> They'll be pretty old by now. Let's find them and go and duff them up. <laughs> Let's go and smash a violin on them. Have you still got the vi- tiny violin? Can we it's smash? still got a wall, yeah. <laughs> Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Um, and then you were in, you did, uh, Chris, I'm very fascinated by this early period that you got into sort of Christian rock, right? Yes, yeah. I mean, it was quite, a, it was a big period for me because, I mean, Christian rock maybe is is a bit damning because... Uh, it is. It is. Yeah, I was, I was definitely, <laughs> not even a bit, just completely damning. It is damning. just a bit damning. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we went to this church, it was in Moortown, the youth group was very alternative. The leader was, um, he was from Oxford. You know, he went to Oxford. You know, he was from Leeds, but he had done philosophy and yeah. theology at Regent's Park College in Oxford. So he was super brainy. And he was really into, I guess he'd been like into Sisters of Mercy, you know, and he was into like goth music and he was into guitar music. Yeah. And so whenever we would pop up and get really excited about, you know, oh, we love Lenny Kravitz, he'd be like, go hence and listen to Led Zeppelin. Or he would always just say, oh, it's, oh, that, you don't want to hear that, you want to hear this. And so he was really into all this kind of like 70s rock, 80s electronic and experimental music. And, you know, putting basically he's kind of 27-year-old music snobbery onto us as yeah. young kids, as teenagers. But of course, that's like having a big brother, right? So you just get through all these pathways and... He was really radical. He was like, reject everything in the church, you know, except for this radical person that is Jesus. So um, we would just make up our own music, you He's know? The, He is the main one, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> He's the main one. It's not like that radical, is it? No. If but he said, know... I think the Judas guy has something. <laughs> I think he had something over him. You listen to him for a bit. Yeah. But it was like... <laughs> Ignore all the trappings. Like, you can throw out the songs, you can throw out the clothes, you can throw out the, the sort of sure. way of being. 
And so, I mean, these teenagers, including me, sort of took over this church. And looking back, I think, gosh, those adults were really tolerant of us because (laughs) we kind of got hold of, like, Ezekiel, which is all about, you know, why must I look on injustice, destruction and violence go before me? It just lined right right up perfectly with our teenage angst. Yeah. So we would kind of write these Radiohead-esque songs from the Old Testament and then just say, right, we're doing the service this week. (laughs) They can't complain. It's in the yeah. bloody book. You, it's your book. Take it out of the book if you don't like it. Yeah. So Amazing. That, so that was my sort of Christian rock. But that's when I got into electric guitar. You know, yeah. I wanted this guitar. I couldn't afford it. He bought the guitar for me. I paid him back the 90 quid over about five years. And um, that was it. I started yeah. my band. And so this, uh, so Helen was, was a sort of girl's guitar band. Yeah, like a riot girl. Yeah. They used to spell it with many R's. Yeah. Like, a riot girl. <laughs> Yeah. Which is obviously diff, diff, different than what you were initially sort of became famous, at, yeah. I suppose, as well. So yeah, really different. I mean, I was always in this band and I'd be like shouting over the bar at the Duchess of York or Joseph's Well and all the guitars were playing. And then when I finally got into a, into a studio, a recording studio, it's amazing to put on headphones and be able, really be able to hear myself. And So I found this other part of my voice. I was working this jazz and soul club at the Underground. Does anyone remember the Underground? I mean, that was just, that's my happy place. So I used to work at the bar in the Underground when I was yeah. at university. And I met all these brilliant jazz musicians. And, you know, so I'd sometimes come out and come out from behind the bar, go and sing with them when it was a bit quiet or not when it was quiet, and get told off for doing it. But then, um, so I discovered this other thing, which is like, I could sing, but I'd have to do the whole thing. I don't have to play the guitar and write the songs. I could just sing some songs, and then that really helped me. So when I did my own project, it was really influenced by all these great sort of jazz musicians I'd met. They were a little bit older than me, and they could play, and I could sing. And So it was really different to my band when I, yeah. when I first brought that first album out yeah what happened to the rest of what so what happened to helen and what happened to the rest of helen are they still i'm still friends with every single person yeah i'm really good friends with the the drummer who lives in glasgow my dear friend uh joanne she's you know she's still going strong and my great friend jen's still a musician so i mean they're still some of my closest friends so yeah and are they are they happy about yours was it it was it a happy split up or was it was it it was, was it so difficult? gradual, I kind yeah. of didn't notice it. And I had a manager at the time, and I guess he, you know, was wanting me to do stuff separately for the, from the band. So I guess it was really, like, slow peeling off of a it was the, You were Simon Cowled off, weren't you? It was like <laughs> the band all auditioned, like, and then it was just... Yeah, I mean, when I was writing that record, I was thinking, oh, yeah, and then my friends will be able to play this music and yeah. Then gradually. Yeah, I mean, it just took a long time to get signed, and I would go down to London in, like, a hooded top you know, and just sit on a couch and my manager would say, she's really good. And I'd just be like, (laughs) you know, it's like not show busy at all, you know, just kind of trying to make it and going on the underground to loads of different studios, trying to, and I'd go here and there. And I ended up getting enough songs together to make an album. But yeah, it was kind of quiet and different and I wasn't sure how well it would do at all. Yeah, and then it, it did okay. Yeah. It was all right, wasn't it? It did all right. Yeah, I mean, really surprising to me, so... I mean, now, what is that like to go from, you know, from just putting something together to it suddenly, I mean, worldwide blowing up in the way that, I mean, a lot of those songs from that album became like big hits, right? It was really amazing to me. And it was kind of like my CD collection came to life, you know, like I would be meeting people who I'd listened to for years and they would know about me. You know, I remember going to the Grammys to the 
the announcement thing for the Grammys and I thought, I don't even need to go to the real thing because this is such a big deal for me. You know, I, I met Justin Timberlake. It was a big deal at the time. It's just Timberlake. And, um, but yeah, I remember talking to Mary J. Blige and then I came back and I was just, my makeup was running and I was in tears and my makeup artist said, what happened? And I said, I just met Mary J. Blige. <laughs> she likes my album. Like I was just uh, at every point sort of overwhelmed because all these people had had and are total heroes to me and just the yeah. fact that they had heard what I had made or liked it or had something good to say about it. I mean, I still feel exactly that same way, you know? Yeah. I'm like, how do you know about me? And I'm so happy you like it. You know, yeah. That's how I feel. But it's, it's really amazing music. And to have come from someone young as well, I think it's very sophisticated you know, beautiful music. I, I was saying to you, I said to you backstage, and this sounds like a rude thing, and that I don't, <laughs> I don't, I'm not like massively into music, but when I listen to your stuff, I kind of understand why people like music. Because <laughs> it's, very, it's very emotionally open, right? And it, and it really, and I think like with uh, Girl Put Your Records on, when you read what people write about that on, I just had a look at what fans were writing about it still to, to, to this day. You know, they're just saying this is, this is like joy distilled, and it's such a joyous... You know the emotion that you get through into all of your music, whether it's whether it's the joyful stuff or the sad stuff or the angry stuff, which the more recent stuff we'll talk about um, later on. But it's you know it, it's very raw raw emotion. I think throughout throughout it's, it's 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 it must be amazing to have that effect on people, and they, I bet they tell you all the time about it. Right? I think it's. I feel like I have to put myself into my music because I don't have any skills to sort of fall back on like I'm not haven't been to music school I don't know how to write the perfect song with a thing and I don't know all the technicalities of any of it so I feel like I'm just trying to be myself I'm also not a natural performer like I I wouldn't get up at a party and just try and start you know regaling people so I I just feel like if I'm gonna stand on stage I really have to mean it or else everyone will see through it completely so I feel like I have to really just be a be myself. Yeah. Yeah. And people play those songs like at weddings and, you know, so that that's that must be an incredible thing to know that you're that in, you know, in, imbued into people's lives. It's really nice. I mean, I got to play this this time around on the tour at Spellman, which is I only knew from um, you know, a sort of American TV. Yeah. It's where I thought of um was the, like the Huxtables going, you know, this is all black uh, female university. And everyone there's twenty, and they were all saying, "Oh, you, you know, your music been the soundtrack to our childhood." I thought, "Yeah, that's how much time has gone past. I haven't <laughs> hadn't really noticed." Because you, I mean, I think that's a weird thing about aging as well. Is you feel the same. I don't know if that's because I've stayed in Leeds my entire life, <laughs> but it's like you don't notice the time going past. Then like, oh yeah, I'm forty four, but it feels like the early 90s yeah yeah and for me yeah yeah it's weird time is rich time is so strange it is strange i tell you it's worse you know yeah i'm 56 and i you know 44 feels like yesterday so yeah it's so weird you know yeah i guess you'll be, you'll be 56 by the end of this interview <laughs> 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 and I'll, I'll just be a skeleton <laughs> longer and longer hair worse and worse posture does it does it feel i mean that stuff being so successful and and being of of that certain style um which and again i'm not being disparaged because i think it's amazing i think all of those all those singles are amazing um 
Is it, is it, was that a difficult, you know, because then that obviously p- pushes you down a pathway, you know, your record company's saying, can we have more of the same? It feels to me, having listened to your fantastic latest album, that that one is you saying, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want, and this is me, and, you know, I'm going to try different things, and some of it's going back, like, to Helen, and some of it's, you know, completely different stuff. It, was, did it become a sort of cross to bear, or, or, or are you always happy that you had, yeah, you had that stuff? I'm happy that those songs did well, but I think when it was my second album, I really wanted to show another side of me. Yeah. You know, I wanted to do more sort of indie stuff and more guitars, and then, you know, I had these, those changes in my life. You know, my husband died when, in 2008 when he was 31, I was 29. At that, at that time, that sort of, to me, that felt like the end of my life. And I had just had all this amazing, all these experiences that I'd never dreamed of. So I sort of thought, right, I'm 29. That was a good life. That's how I, th- yeah. I felt about it. And, um, you know, and the shock of that experience lasted with, I mean, a really, really, really long time. Like nobody, grief is kind of, people want to know about the exact moment I always think with grief. And then, you know, I watch a lot of Wes Anderson films. So it's like, it makes it this kind of poignant, mushy, weird moment. But then it's like, Nobody wants to look at the years and the years. It's such a long process. And so, yeah, I definitely felt like it's hard for me to be the sunshine girl, yeah. you know, which is, which is, I guess, what I was known for at that time. And, you know, I'd already started this indie record, The Sea, which I loved. Um, but then when I came to my third album, I really felt the pressure that, from the label to be like, right, we've given you the record you, you know, had to make because you were, had this awful loss but now, yeah, you know, cause... like, let's let's sort yeah. of get the sunshine back. And um, it wasn't that I felt like I didn't have any sunshine, but everything, all the emotions were a lot more complicated. Yeah. I mean, that, that's still the way I feel. So, yeah, I think Making my, making the Heart Speaks in Whispers, which is my third record, that was kind of, it was definitely tricky. I think I thought I was fooling them and they thought <laughs> they were fooling me and we're just like a bit of a merry dance. Yeah. Yeah. And so is this the new album, which is called Black Rainbows, and is it really... Really amazing. I've only I've listened to it a couple of times, and I, as I said, you backstage, I kind of feel like you know there's so much in there, and, and the story of where it comes from is, and, and where each of the songs come from is sort of so intricate as well. So it's it's like a very complex album. Is is that was this was this you sort of saying right? This is absolutely what I want to do, and I'm going to take some chances. And I think I started making this record by accident. It was in 2017, and I was on tour. And I was in Chicago and I'd remembered, oh, there's this brilliant visual artist that I wanted to meet. And of course, me being me, I'd forgotten to tell anybody. So it was a day before, it was a day we were playing that we flew in and I said, oh, I really wanted to meet the Astor Gates. It's this amazing artist, a visual artist, contemporary artist, this black man. I want to meet him. And somehow they got him to come to the show. I met him afterwards. And he has saved this building in Chicago on the south side of Chicago which I don't know how much you know about the South Side, but it's, um, I mean, they call these areas sort of underserved communities now, but I guess nobody says poor. It's like, is poor un-PC? I don't know. But this is what I saw. People walking around the streets, people maybe pushing a shopping trolley, people with their tops off at like seven in the morning running around, gunshots, um, nowhere to buy any food that's edible, uh, Massive poverty, poor housing, mental health stuff. This is, you know, you just, as you move around, I go to lots of places, like that's just like moving around the streets. But then in the middle of it is this old savings and loans bank 
that was um, due to be destroyed by the city because the money ran out for it. And this artist, Theastergates, decided to save the bank and um, fill it with art and all these art archives. So you've got the south side as it is, then you walk into this bank and it's this amazing kind of cathedral to art, to black art, you know, paintings on the walls and sculptures. And then it's got all the books that were ever submitted to the Johnson Publishing Company. He did Ebony Magazine and Jet Magazine. Ebony was like life magazine for black people in America. And so sort of glamorous and gorgeous. And, you know, so so all these amazing books on everything from dance, mask, architecture, you know, autobiographies, recipe books, yearbooks, all sorts of stuff. And then it's got all of Frankie Knuckles' archive in there. So legendary house DJ Frankie Nichols. And then it's got these difficult and problematic objects from America's past, present, past, um, kind of, you know, derogatory racist objects, postcards and cartoons and newspapers and um, objects for the home, you know, mammy jars, trinkets, kind of negrobelia, it's been called. So I just went to this building because I was interested in it. Opened loads of books, opened loads of drawers, unwrapped things, pulled out sheet music, pulled out little dolls from the 1850s, just all sorts of stuff. And then when I left, I just found that I couldn't stop thinking about it. You know, there's all these stories, and some of them were stories that had been silenced or erased. Some of them were unfinished because I couldn't find anything more about them. And I just found myself writing, like, scratching poems or songs, and it ended up turning into this album, Black Rainbows, which I thought was a side project. <laughs> so I thought, well, it can be just as weird, as absolutely weird yeah. as I want it to be. So it, that's how it came out, you know. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to write a punk song about, about a beauty queen from the 50s. I'm going to write a 10-minute song about the rock churches of Lalibela in Ethiopia. Yeah. Because I thought, well, no one's expecting it to be, put your records on, because I was like, I'm not even going to put my name on it. You know, that's yeah. how I thought. Right. And then... In the end, I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's extraordinary. You know, it's extraordinary in that, and the stories by. I mean, you can you can go online and you know, I don't, I'm not going to tell all the stories behind the songs now, but you can find all the stories behind the songs and and the the objects that uh, influence them. But I think just to hear something with that m- m- many influences and that kind of eclectic, you don't you know, there's not many albums. You just feel like, oh, this is an artist who's just gone. I'm I'm going to explore everything that I possibly can. It's so fascinating to to listen to. So I, I love the idea that you could bring all your interests into the thing you make and it's, yeah. it's sort of taken me ages to work that out, you know. And it was really nice to write an album that wasn't just, these are my thoughts and experiences, these are things I've been through, this is what I'm reflecting on, but more to be, all this stuff is coming into my brain and I can't get to sleep and it's the first thing I think about when I wake up and it, it can turn into songs. You know, I think we're all basically the same and we all want the same things. And so there's a universality in in all of these stories. Whereas I think before I would think, oh, will anyone get this if it's not kind of a love song that lasts yeah. three minutes, lo- you know, which is really um, limiting, I think, to the things you can make. Yeah. But isn't that great? You know, it's great to be maturing as a person and an art as an artist not that you know i think you were pretty fully formed as you started and pretty amazing you started but it's you know and also like with music it's quite hard isn't it to to keep to be allowed to keep going because you know it's a it's a it's a kind of industry that's you know they're interested in youth and as and as certainly i think as women get older 
it's I think it's hard. It's fair to say it's hard for women to to stay within that industry and not be kind of shunted out. Absolutely. I mean, there's always going to be someone sort of prettier and younger who's willing to wear less clothes and um, do a more aggressive dance routine. Yeah. And so if you're going to make that your thing, you have to be willing to realise that you've got 18 months or you've got like four years or whatever. But I think for other people who want to explore other avenues, you know, it's great to feel you can do that, give yourself permission to do that. And I think the more people that do it, the more space you can make for everyone. Yeah. And how does it work now? Because, you know, with music, is it, you know, it's obviously changed so much. So I can just download your album, like, for sort of for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not going out and buying it. Yeah. Is, that, is that, like, totally changed... Yeah, it's completely changed music. <laughs> like I always say to people, with my first record, if you want to hear it, you had to hope it was on the radio yeah. or you had to go to a shop and buy a piece of plastic that yeah. it was burned onto. And these days, music is more like a sort of just gas that fills the air and it is free. And I think it is definitely tricky for artists. Obviously, you can tour, that makes you money. But most of the artists now, you know, the young 20-year-olds, the reason everyone's so beautiful it's because they're making their money from, like, the trainer sponsorship or yeah. the perfume spin-off or, like, the collab with the handbag people. Or So that is kind of weird. Yeah. Every, we'll get we'll just get more and more sort of good-looking um, people who do sponsorship things. I mean, obviously, they're really talented as well, but they have to have that thing. They have to be able to monetize the the coolness that comes from the music, which, you know, I think if you're just a bit shy or not very good-looking you kind of getting frozen out of music, which I think is a bit of a shame. Yeah. Do you think AI can, could write a Corinne Bailey Ray song? I don't, yeah. know, I don't know if it could write I mean, the album you've just I done. mean, an AI <laughs> could write a song that sounds like another song. Yeah. I definitely agree. That's just an algorithm, but I think there's always room for strange and weird, independent, creative human thought, you know, and that's that's the thing I'm most interested in music. Yeah. And so is, is it... You, you, you compose a lot, or a lot of your stuff is used in films and TV shows... You did uh, one of the Fifty Shades of Grey yes. films. You did The Scientist yeah, for that yeah. Coldplay song. Yeah, we did that. That was tricky because we recorded it and then um, we got a message saying, oh, I don't think Chris Martin wants his Coldplay music to be used in the Fifty Shades of Grey film. It's like, you could have told me that. I've just spent like several days <laughs> working on this song. But then I guess they played him it and then he kind of came around to the idea and we ended up getting it in the film, so... Yeah. That was pretty cool. Did you get to go just to the premiere of the film? I went to the premiere of the film, yes. Yeah, I did. I've never seen the Fifty Shades of Grey film. I'm a bit scared. It's really hard to... I mean, having made that song that went in that film and not having seen the first film (laughs) and sitting through the second film, I mean, what can I say in the kind of diplomatic... is Is it for this or for that? Well, let's see. Let's see see how controversial... So... It's a weird combination of, like, it's sort of sexy and ridiculous at the same time. Yeah. Like, there's this one point where there's a massive... Has anyone seen Fifty Shades of Grey? They're not going to Shades it, Darker. Ellen, have you seen Come it? Come on, Ellen? someone's seen it. You've seen <laughs> yeah, it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're fine. So you know the world, the world of it. So it's kind of like... It's kind of sexy, sexy time. I don't know. Knickers are getting removed in restaurants, and it's like, you know, just like everyday yeah. stuff. I'm sure, I'm sure you've done it yourself. Absolutely, my you're knickers like are off in the restaurant date, all the time. Da, 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 <laughs> passing the knickers. So it's yeah. weird. I mean, I never watched those kind of films. So I was really like, is this just happening? And I'm just too busy watching like Wes Anderson films or something. Yeah. Like, so there's all that stuff. Sexy, sexy time. And then 
there's a helicopter crash. Okay. And then the main character kind of emerges, but he's got like a twig in his hair and he's kind of like, <laughs> wow. oh, I've just been in a helicopter crash. Like, it's really, I mean, yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, so, it's, so you're sort of like laughing and then it's sexy. It's really yeah. weird. It's I weird. think it's meant to be that. My yeah. ex-girlfriend wrote the first one of those. Wrote it? Yeah, well, she wrote the first of the, the, the films, not okay, the books. Okay, yeah. I'm glad I didn't say two. Yeah, so it's mainly about me, I reckon. <laughs> mainly the stuff I got up to. I'm so, I'm so vanilla. I mean, I'm so vanilla. No, there's a moment in there they want to be vanilla, <laughs> right. I think. I don't know, it's weird. It's is like, that kinky to, is it now kinky like to be as vanilla as possible? It's touched in certain ways, so then he draws a weird lipstick thing on his body and yeah. it's like she's not allowed to... It's really weird. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, There's a know. room that's with stuff. I'm, I'm very happy to say it for the next 15 minutes you just described your <laughs> things that are in 50 Shots of Grey Curry. I'll be very happy with that. We don't have to put it out. I'll just keep that for myself. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> it's a side project. Just tell, just tell me some, mm-hmm. some more. Um, <laughs> and uh, how is it when... So you've covered Coldplay. How, how do you feel when people cover your songs? There's a really cool... Uh, uh, is it Rit Mon... Rit Momley, yeah. So it's a spoonerism on Mitt Romley. Yeah, that's right, was yeah. He was the um, Mormon camp, uh, guy for president. That's right. Yeah. I don't know if he was running against Trump or not, but I think yes, even honey. that would have probably worked out better than how it worked out <laughs> yeah. with Trump. But yeah, this guy, he is a teen... Well, he was a teenager at the time, and he's a Mormon. When you're a Mormon, you know, when you leave school, they all go on a mission around the world to tell people about the religion and he decided that he didn't want to go on the mission he wanted to stay so then yeah I guess he identified with this president and spooned okay. yeah so he's called but I always get it wrong Rit Momney yeah. it's that way round but yeah he had a cool version of Put Your Records On I really liked it yeah. it's like a kind of weird science of sleep video and it's kind of surreal but the big thing was TikTok which right. is a big thing for everything now yeah I mean I know of producers now who the record company say we've got this great new artist they're very good looking and they've got a trainer sponsorship deal already, which is what you need. And um, they say, can you write us some stuff for them? And they say, oh, what? Like maybe a handful of singles. And they say, no, can you write 10 TikToks? So like, can you and him write, is, it, is TikTok 20 seconds? Or is it 30 seconds? Uh, yes. <laughs> Are we all too old to really actually be using? Do anyone's children use TikTok? Like, what is it? But yeah, say it's 20 or 30 seconds, because yeah. I don't know, but they would be commissioned to write that. Like, write me 20 amazing happening bits of music like that are 20 seconds long. And if any of them react, then you can finish the song around it and make okay. it seem like it was a song, and then we'll put that song out. Oh, wow. That's, so that's how a lot of it works now, which is yeah. really weird. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's happening with every. It's sort of it's interesting seeing the difference between you know just even being backstage and talking about my journey here and you sort of being surprised that I could arrive <laughs> ten minutes before the gig. Um, it's you know there's a lot of differences between the way that music and comedy work. Although there's some crossover, but it is you, you know, you've just been touring like in America, so you've only got back a couple of days ago from touring in America. And I presume you're flying around in America. Yeah, right. Oh, no. Days. Well, we're going on a tour bus. Oh, you? So we fly in and then we just drive everywhere. We had a really good driver called Bobby and we were gone for, I don't know, six weeks and we did, or five weeks, we did like 25 dates or something. Nice. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. So you, you go on the bus, you go to sleep, you wake up in the new place, you do the show and then 
bus then goes yeah, I, I, I would like that. It yeah. would be nice. The bus is good. I'd have liked a fucking bus this afternoon. I'd have gone and had a, kind of a You sleep. could have lied down. I could have had a lie yeah. down. It would have been nice. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's, you know, it does, it's, it's, you know, obviously your stuff is on a grander scale than me. Have you ever played the Leeds City Varieties before? I've never played here. The wow. last time I was here was watching Russell Crowe and oh. his band, is it 30 foot of grunts or 50 <laughs> foot of grunts? Did anyone go to that show? Different crowd. <laughs> so I knew of Russell Crowe because he's really good friends with RZA right. from the Wu-Tang Clan. Okay. Okay, so it's some Wu-Tang... I know that there's at least one Wu-Tang Clan <laughs> person here because I've still got her T-shirt from the Wu-Tang Clan. But, yeah, he, he and Russell Crowe are really good friends. So I saw Russell Crowe in Australia, went to his thing, had a tea. He was really sweet. And then, yeah, I came to watch this his band wow. here, which turns out to be a sort of... It's mostly women who are about 50. Yeah. It's mostly sort of screaming women for it's Russell Crowe. It's, it's very similar to my audience's yeah. sessions. Right? <laughs> Except it's, mine's mostly blokes. Like, I mean, it's, I mean yeah, look at the front row. That's it. There we go. <laughs> That's it. I wish it was women who were 50 who were screaming. I take that. I take that. That's not, yeah, thank you. I'm 56 now. I've got to take it where you can get it. However appalling that idea is. Um, I'm <laughs> I beg your pardon, everyone. Yeah, I would like to apologise to Leeds in general. Um, <laughs> I'm going to ask for some emergency questions. Okay. Um, just because people will be upset if I don't. It's, uh, it's, so, it's so lovely to talk to you, and thank you for being so... As, as expected, so open and honest. I have to say, you seem very nice, and I've met you and you seem very nice. <laughs> Are you as, and everyone thinks you're very nice. I was hoping you would come on and be badly paid, <laughs> secretly. No, sometimes I, sometimes I am, and then I just feel so bad. Like, I <laughs> checked out of my hotel the other day, and I was really, um, I was half an hour late. See if you think this is fair or not. I was half an hour late checking out. And the lady said, that's fine. We'll just have to charge you for a whole extra night. I think that's quite, well, that's a lot, I think. She said, no, my girls can't clean the room. I have to charge you for a whole extra night. And I was annoyed, yeah. and I said, I'd like to speak to the manager. She said, well, I'm the deputy manager. And I said, Ugh. And then I was with my kids as well, so I couldn't really be too much of a dick. <laughs> but then as we're clearing it, she was like, oh, and how was the show last night? And I was like, oh, it's actually tonight. <laughs> you know, because then I thought, oh, no, she knows me as a nice person. Yeah. I've just shown myself to be not that nice. Mm. I mean, I wasn't an asshole, but I was kind of like, Annoyed at the thing, but again, you thought it was a bit unfair, right? So you know, they that's... can charge you twenty quid or something. You could say, "I'll go." You could, "I'll go and clean the room for she you." She couldn't that's get right. the girls in. It was different with this because it was a casita. Okay. Yeah, small a small house in Mexico. Casita. Okay. New Mexico. Yeah, she just said no. <laughs> I couldn't do anything about it. Right here we go. I'm going to ask you some emergency questions. I'm going to ask nice ones. It's Corin Bailey Ray. Actually, both the guests are nice this week and next week. I can be less nice. <laughs> I, can't, I can't ask them nasty things. Have you ever seen a ghost? I've never seen... In fact, I've never seen a ghost. I remember being at primary school and my friend said that she'd seen a ghost and it was sort of... Someone was getting, like, swung around by the hair and I was wow. terrified. I, was really, I am kind of terrified of that yeah. whole world. I don't know if that's my um, Christian upbringing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Do Christians I, believe in ghosts, per se? I think so. I think I'm it's all about ghost. that stuff, yeah. And all the ghosts. 
Yeah. They all come back, do they? The spirits, there's Yeah, there's devils and stuff. I'd be scared of the the demons and stuff coming for me. Uh. (laughs) They're definitely coming for me. (laughs) I'm not scared of the ghosts. They're all right. Ghosts. Yeah. Is a a ghost just like, I don't know, a person that's gone, but they don't, they're not... They're not where they're meant to be. I yes, well, that's a theory. Yeah, yeah. You know, I have, I've never seen... I mean, I, I, yeah, there's no wood up here. It's literally <laughs> no wood. No, I would be probably scared to see something like yeah. that. Yeah. I'm scared of Beetlejuice. I just rewatched it on the plane. It's okay. terrifying. It's so scary. <laughs> see that thing with the face? Yeah. yeah. That probably won't happen in real life. Well, I hope not. But again, there's no wood up here at all. This is probably... This is wood enough. Yeah. Is that part of religion, touching wood? Yeah, probably Didn't not. Didn't work out too well for Jesus, did it? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Karine, I'm sorry. I've, I've just been naughty for the last ten minutes. Um, uh, let's have a look. I want to see what, if we've got any... Oh, look, this this is a slightly rude question to ask you. If you could have a sexual superpower, what would it be? Wow, wow. That's a good question. That's a really good question. I I mean, yeah. My sexual superpower would be like making the things that you have to do sort of go away. Okay. You know, know, so you've got got more time. I mean, the other things. Oh, the other things. The other, yeah. Not the actual sex. Not just like not no. having to do any of the stuff. No, no, just like making room for the sex. Washing so up it's and like, stuff. You mean? You'd be than, able to go up to your kids and be penises. like, "It's bedtime." Yeah. yeah. And they just go to sleep, and you'd be like, "Oh, I've got a busy work day." No longer. Yeah. It's sexy time. That would be good. Yeah. My sexual yeah. superpower would be able being able to achieve an erection. <laughs> That's, that would be, be good, wouldn't it? Be good, wouldn't it, mate? You know what I'm talking. That guy on the end knows what I'm talking about. Not having to wait two weeks, eh? <laughs> what a disaster! Um, <laughs> so what's so what's coming up? Are you going to be touring the UK? Yes, I've yeah. got three dates in London, and then we're going to Cork in Ireland. We're going to Amsterdam, Rotterdam. We're going to Seville and Madrid, oh and Porto and Barcelona, and somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, are we going to Macau in China? And we're going to somewhere in the Philippines because we're already in China. And it's near, apparently. Yes. Yeah. Do you get to take the whole family with you when yes. you do these big tours? That's yeah. nice. It's that's, really nice. Yeah. It's kind of like a bit jet laggy and sort of like uh, the food, lots of fries and ice cream. But I think it's fine. I think it's better than leaving them at home in a <laughs> oh, boarding God. school. Yes, it's definitely so, better than that. Yeah. Honestly, the number of people I've had on here went to boarding school. Yeah, it doesn't work out. And the number of people in the government who went to boarding school. Yeah. And who turned out to be, you know, it's a t- I can't believe no, it was yeah. ever allowed to happen. You need your parents around. You that's a good... Uh, well, it's that's a, you know, that your kids are still pretty young. It's, that's a very exciting life for I them. I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. it's fun for them. And just a like, full life for them to see. A lot of ice cream. And a lot of ice cream. Late nights. And, but yeah, I mean, why not? I'm, you know, my husband plays in a band as well. We go with my mum. So we're just all around. So travelling circus. I sort of think it's a really good thing. But you also won't know till they're about 40 years old. <laughs> yeah. Like everything in Well, I left it pretty late to have kids, so I'm hoping by the time that they're screwed up, I won't be here. I have to face... <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the good... I'm hoping. over by nostalgia. I'm hoping they get to about... Tw- if my daughter's 12, that's like four years away. If I could die then, I've had all the nice fun bit and don't have to deal with them as teenagers. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? 
I mean, you know, it might have psychological effects on them, but, you know, that's... That's just the way it goes. And you, you said... You said Black Rainbows was a side project, but obviously it's turned out not to be that. But were you working on another album as, as well as that? I'm always working on things, but I yeah. just it takes me ages to do things. So I was—I mean, that's another reason I sort of feel like I guess bad about it. You know, just other people seem to be able to like Rihanna. She's like, I had a baby and I've had a record <laughs> and I've made a, a makeup line and I've had a haircut and then I've had another album and then I'm on the cover of like a million Vogues and. And it's all in about 18 months. Yeah. But, yeah, it takes me about that long just to kind of decide what the snare sound should be <laughs> on the third track on the album. So Yeah. Yeah, it takes me a while. Yeah, but it's... But I like it, you Yeah. Know? Yeah, it's fun. Well, it's, you know, it's, you can tell that that's the case. You can tell <laughs> from the music that's the case. And, it's, you know, it is so you. And, that's, and I think that's, that's what... You know, I think like it. That's it's quite rare nowadays in music to just to go. Oh, okay, now we. I mean, you know, maybe it's because I'm older and blah blah blah. But it, 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 you know, to feel that authentic thing. I guess because when I was growing up, punk was coming out, and it, that felt like a, a authentic movement. Um, but you know, it, 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 it is rare to I think to find someone who and you, and to still be going and still be popular. And you know, it's it's it seems like a pretty good life. I really enjoy it. And I I really like music. I like the puzzle of it. I like to chase a song down. I like to work out how it should sound. I like to stand on stage and look in people's eyes and see if it's working or not, or are they talking, or is someone going to the bar? Like, this is very... The feedback is really immediate, you know? And and I love love everything about it, the the travelling and the puzzling and the, you know, the people you get to meet and all of that stuff. So, yeah, Yeah. I feel really grateful. And backstage, you said to me, uh, you've never done a backflip? It's true. So we thought yeah. we'd close. We thought we'd close. <laughs> yeah. We All agreed, didn't we? We'd close. That's what I was would... saying. Like, I'm 44 and I've done a backflip. Flip. I've never done a marathon. Yeah. Like, is it too late to start to do these things? Like, I haven't done a head, a freestanding headstand. Yeah. Apparently, you can work up to that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm ever going to do a backflip. I think I think I've got to the stage where. But I'm you've never done a marathon, do... so you can I sort of take that off. I yeah. can't. I'm not going to stand on my head. I mean, there are things, you know, it is sort of weird. You sort of, as you get older, you think, that's, I won't do that Will again. Will I be lying I there thinking, that. I never did a backflip? Yeah. yeah. So I've got some things I have to work out. Yeah. I'd like to go to Iceland. I've never I mean, been. Write a, write a song about the backflip. Yeah. Back <laughs> is I think, it I think we're, I think we're nearly there. Song. You'd like to go to Iceland? I'd like to go to Iceland. That's, I've never that's been. That's easy enough. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. You can just go on, like, um, Ryanair or What's Our Line. Yeah. We've got one that goes straight there, right? Jet 2. Does it go to Iceland? To very, Iceland. I'd go in the summer, there. I wouldn't go in the winter. There's a penis museum. Is there? Yeah. If you like, if you like looking I at the... I think you'd pe- say, do you like... If you like... It's like, where's this If you going? like looking at the penises of all the mammals that exist in Iceland... That's That's going to be... I'm kind of choosy. Okay. I went in, I went in the... I went in the summertime and it, uh, and oh, it yeah. you know, never got dark. Did you have to sleep with a thing on? Yeah, I, I was only there for a night. I think I didn't oh, go to sleep. Oh, okay. I just got drunk and, uh, and looked at some penis, looked at some whale penises. <laughs> was that in the museum or not? <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> to begin with, and then <laughs> it just spilled <laughs> out. <laughs> once you once you spot, once you, once you pop, you can't stop. Can you? <laughs> um, Look, I'm so glad you came on. I'm so glad we, that you were free tonight, which I can't believe. I, just and I'm was, thank, I thought I'm at home. I might as well just um, go down. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, stumble uh, down into town. And you, I think, if anything, you've 
maybe even slightly better than Ricky Wilson. Has. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Don't know what the audience think. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up the amazing Corey Bailey Ray. Thank you very much. See you next week. You have been listening to Rahalastapur with me, Rich Terring, and my guest, Corin Bailey Ray. Scant regard are doing the music. I'm indebted to Chris Evans, not that one. And Ben Evans, not that one. Uh, thank you also to Beck Cliff and George Lingford and everyone at the Leeds City Varieties, back, both backstage and in the audience. What a fantastic crowd and what a fantastic venue. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFastTheStripe.com production. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out. <laughs>